Thank you. Remain standing, if you would, please, as you take your Bibles and open them to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 1. As we continue to make our way through the book of Hebrews, we have looked at several things over the course of the past few weeks. We've looked at Christ being better than... And last week I made mention of how you have sort of this bookshelf of, of sorts in the first four verses. And the first book in being Christ is better than the prophets. We saw that in verse number one. Here in a couple of weeks we'll be taking a look at Christ being better than the angels. And we find that in verse number four and five. Um, but right in between those two bookends you have volumes written in just a few words. We're going to take a look this morning at the purging work of Jesus Christ. And we come to this place where if at first glance uh, we don't notice how momentous uh, this passage is, it, it bears rereading and a little bit of a deeper uh, study as we get into it. With careful eye we will find that this phrase that we're going to look at uh, contains vast doctrine. And so I'd like to begin this morning with the simple question, does someone need to accept Jesus as God in order to be saved? And is that really important? And so let's take a look this morning. First four verses of the book of Hebrews. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Look back with me, if you would, into verse number 3, the latter half, where it says, And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Father, bless now, we pray, the reading of your word and our heart to its application. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Again, as we make our way through this book, there are some audacious statements, and we want to get these uh, understood before we can really move on. The book of Hebrews is not unlike, uh, as I've mentioned to you before, it's not unlike a sermon. Many people have, have basically said this is less of a letter, more of a sermon written down. You find alliteration. We went over that at the beginning of our study. You find alliteration in it. And one of the things that I find interesting is right here in the introduction of the book, it's not an introduction in the typical sense of an introduction. Uh, but what you find is uh, uh, similar to the way a sermon may, uh, may take place. You have this uh, 
unveiling of a few specific truths with little detail, but then as you go through the book, you find that those specific truths are re-dug into just a, a little bit. And so we're going to get into uh, the high priestly office of Christ as we get into some of the latter chapters uh, as we go through our study. But I think that it's very important for us <clears throat> to understand uh, a couple truths before we can understand the rest of the book of Hebrews. Uh, the book of Hebrews is one of those that if we just pull a, a certain parts out, uh, we can end up with some odd doctrine, we can end up with some odd understandings. It's important for us to note the book as a whole. And so uh, I want to make sure uh, that we understand what the author of Hebrews felt he pretty well knew. You know, as we go into the book of Hebrews, we're going to find areas where he says, I should be relying on you to be teaching some of these principles, but I have to go back and reteach you some of these. I've got to take you back to the milk. You should be skilled and you should be on strong meat by this stage, but I'm having to take you back to the beginning. Now, an example of what he means by this is seen right here in the very onset, the first few verses of the book of Hebrews. He makes a few statements about, about Jesus that ought to be well understood without really going into much detail. One of those statements we looked at a few days ago, or a few weeks ago, uh, we noticed where it refers to as Christ as the Creator. Look in verse number 2. In the very end of verse number 2, he says, "...by whom also he made the worlds." So we looked at Jesus in, in the idea of Jesus the Creator of everything. We looked at how all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. For us to assign that Jesus is a created being negates the idea that without him was not anything made that was made. If Jesus was made, then that statement is null and void. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus always was, always is. He never he's, he is without beginning, without ending. The man Jesus Christ was something that was special, but Jesus uh, had existed in long before eternity passed. And this is important for us to understand. The writer of Hebrews knew this. He didn't feel the great need to dig into that detail at this moment in the game. He just makes a statement: Jesus, the Creator. Another statement that he makes is in verse number three as well. This is who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Do you understand that God Himself has to be the one that's being spoken of here? God does not give His glory and share His glory with anything that is not His equal. It, it, it's, it makes it to where he would cease to be God. Uh, we need to understand something with this passage and with some of the statements that are being made. Listen. Either Jesus is God or God has abdicated his throne and given it to a creation. That's where the danger comes into this. If we don't fully grasp the concept uh, that Jesus is God, then, then we have so many problems that are going to arise as a result of it. Now, I realize <clears throat> that this statement may rub some the wrong way, and please Please understand, it is never my intention or my hope to offend. I do pray, however, that if anyone is wrestling today with who the person of Jesus Christ is, that today will be the day that they finally put it to rest. 
If there's any question in the mind as to whether or not Jesus is God, I pray that through the past few weeks of building one thing upon the upon another upon another here in the book of Hebrews, just we have we've been spending weeks in the first four verses of the book of Hebrews. I pray that by the end of this, it'll be solidified in your mind. Jesus is God. There is no other way around it. You cannot have Jesus being a created being and the Savior. It doesn't work that way. He can't have been created and have the glory of God. It doesn't work that way. He can't have been the created and the creator. The next statement that we notice is uh, still in verse number 3. And upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, before we go any further, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and <clears throat> let it come out of the gate. Let's go ahead and put this out there. I'm not a fan of those who like to pick and choose what they like in the Word of God. Not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I've had people, and God love them, I do the best that I can to be as kind as I possibly can, to be as loving, to be as unoffensive as I can, but when someone comes up and says, well, I'll take the Gospels, but those Paul writings I don't want to listen to. Well, I'll take the writings from Paul, but that Hebrews book I'm just ignoring. No, no, please understand. I want you to know where I stand. Unashamedly. There are 66 books located in between my two pieces of leather. And I believe them all. From the first part of Genesis to the last part of Revelation, I say, Amen. And I don't care who wrote which one because I believe they were all inspired by God. Every single bit of it. I don't have time for these higher critics. I don't have time for that. Give me God's word, not higher criticism. When we get into this book, though, <clears throat> understanding that either God, Jesus is God, or God has vacated the throne for one of his creations is the only, is the only in conclusion. I want to give you three things today. An audacious statement, followed by an accomplished purging, and then an absolute conclusion. I've been practicing. Someone told me I wasn't illiterate enough. I said, I can read. And they said, no, illiterate. No, oh, oh illiterate. They said, in other words, I'm not giving you enough of those AAAs. And so my apologies for having failed you as a pastor and not alliterating my sermons enough. So I've been practicing for you. So please forgive me, and I'll forgive you. But let's take a look at the audacious statement. Y'all, half y'all sitting there going, what, do he have, what does he have to forgive us for? Let's look at the audacious statement here in verse number four. <clears throat> I'm sorry, in verse number three. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. This is a statement that is so high above us that <laughs> it bears a little bit of pause. 
I want you to notice what is being said here. Because if, if we're honest, we will admit that there are some difficult statements in God's Word. There are, there are difficult to understand statements. There are some that are difficult to swallow statements. You know? uh, they, let's just be honest. Some of these statements, they're difficult to understand. And even the disciples said, you know, this is a hard saying. Who can understand this? And Jesus is like, well, let me dumb it down to you. I, I love the way he was with the disciples. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. That's the way I like to learn. I'm more of a veggie tale kind of a learner, you know. Some people like to read Thomas Aquinas. I'm like, uh, what's Paul great got to say? But, but he, says, he says, hey, okay, let me help you guys. Let me give you a parable. People are like, parable? You mean like Aesop's fables? I can get that. And so he would bring things down to their level. There are some difficult things to understand. Uh, undoubtedly. There are some difficult things to swallow. When God tells us to do certain things or to not do certain things, and those are the things that we don't want to do or that we do want to do, those are some difficult things to swallow. You mean i got to obey what? You mean i got to love who? i got to respect him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some difficult things to swallow. I, I, I understand. But then there are some difficult to challenge statements. And this is one of those statements, These are, this is one of those difficult statements that is, <laughs> is difficult to work your way around this. The statement is simply this, when he by himself purged our sins. <clears throat> I want you to understand the phrase by himself. It indicates... Uh, not necessarily just sort of a, a, an alone idea. We read this and we say, oh, so, so Jesus was alone when he did it. That's not what it's saying as much as he did it. Uh, let's see. It, maybe if I did it this way, I said it this way. Um, my son uh, wanted to buy some candy. And so <clears throat> I went and uh, I bought him some candy. He wanted a candy bar, and he's his dad. I, I, we, I introduced him to whatchamacallits. Anybody ever have a whatchamacallit? Anybody else like whatchamacallits? Y'all never, some of y'all never had a whatchamacallit, either that or you're not going to amen anything today. But it, some of y'all are like, I ain't never had a whatchamacallit. Now, some of you, does anybody not like a whatchamacallit? Has anybody had a whatchamacallit and been like, I don't like that. I, don't, I, I wish I had. I'm going to throw that back up. Anybody not like a whatchamacallit? I introduced my son to a whatchamacallit, and that boy loves whatchamacallits now. He said, oh, Dad, i got to have one of those who's a what's. It's, no, it's a whatchamacallit. And so I, he wants a whatchamacallit, and I go to the store, and I, I, get, I pull in, reach into my wallet, and I pull out my... Uh, my emergency. Y'all think, y'all think I'm kidding. I have an emergency dollar. It's the one dollar that my wife allows me to hold. And, and so I've got, I pull out my one emergency dollar, and we go to the Amish stores up in Middlefield, and we buy like 52 of them for a dollar. And it's, those places are amazing. If you've never been to the Amish salvage shops, you have not lived. 400 beef sticks for 10 cents? I'm telling you, man. But so I walk in there and I pull out my emergency dollar and I give it to the lady. I say, I, I, I need a whatchamacallit. And she, you know, I get a whatchamacallit and I, and I give it to my son. And my son goes back to the car and, and my wife's in the car and she says, well, what'd you get? And he says, I got a whatchamacallit. Did he get it or did I get it? I got it for him, right? Well, let's say Gabe, he decides, Dad, <clears throat> I want to make some money. 
And he says, what can I do to make some money? And I said, well, you can go out there and you can rake the leaves in the front yard, son. And he goes out there and, and he starts raking leaves and he rakes and he rakes and whew, he rakes and he rakes. 14 hours later, he finally gets half the yard raked, you know. And, and he comes in and says, all right, Dad, I, I, got, I got it done. And I, I pay him 50 cents. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't pay him 50 cents. I'd pay him a dollar. And so I give him his dollar and he goes, <laughs> I gave him something. And so then he goes to the Amish store and he walks in and he says, I, by myself, am buying this. Okay, so now we understand when it says who by himself. Jesus did it. Alright, now I don't know if, if, if you are catching the amazingness of what is, the, the, the uh, all-encompassing statement that is being made here. Notice what he says. He says, who by himself, when he had by himself purged our sins. You had nothing to do with it. It's not Jesus paid some and you took care of the rest. It's not Jesus paid it as long as you were doing this. It's not Jesus paid it while you were being a good person. It's not Jesus paid it in addition to your righteousness. It's not Jesus paid it because of you going to church every Sunday. It's not Jesus paid it because of how much you put in the offering plate. It's Jesus by Himself purged your sins. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Jesus paid it all. And all to Him I owe. I want you to notice this phrase. <laughs> Jesus was not acting on behalf of someone else. He did it. Himself. God did not send somebody in His place. God came in your place. Jesus is not a created being. So this phrase, by Himself, is important for us to understand. Now I want you to catch several things with this because all of these statements coming together to point to the person of Jesus Christ there, there's a final understanding that we want to come to. Go with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter number 43. Keep your hand in the book of Hebrews. We'll be coming back. <clears throat> Brother Herb read Isaiah chapter 43 just a little bit ago for us. And I want you to notice a few things in this passage. Look at verse number 10 of Isaiah chapter 43 because... <clears throat> understanding this idea that Christ was not acting on behalf of another, but He Himself was doing it. Uh, he was not doing it um, as some sort of sacrifice from God, but the sacrifice of God. Now I want you to notice that only God can do this. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. 
I have declared and have saved and have showed. And when, uh, when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work. And who shall let it? Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Pause for station identification, please. Who's speaking? Jehovah God. To say that anyone else is the Savior based on what we see here is blasphemy. So either God was wrong or Jesus is God. When we get to an understanding that Jesus is the Savior, Jesus is the purifier, Jesus is the one who purges our sins, when we understand that fully and we come to passages such as this, they have to be one. They have to be. I cannot divorce one from the other. God let it be known. He says, I am He. Before me there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. I'm the only one. And then he follows it up by saying, I'm the only Savior. And people say, well, how can you believe Jesus is God? (laughs) It's because it's in black and white. I take it all and it connects. Now I want you to see something else here. For God to share His glory requires one who is His equal. And no creation, no creation is equal to God. None. Only the Creator is equal to the Creator. Now I want you to see something else with this. The Nicene Creed speaks to this, actually. says refers to Jesus as begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made. Let us do something, please. For just a minute, let's, let's take captive a, a specific thought. The Bible says that we're supposed to take thought, every thought captive. Let's take captive the thought that Jesus is not God. And here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to wad it up into a nice little tight roll, fold it a few times, light it on fire because that's where it belongs. Let's strike this idea from our mind. Jesus is God. And I don't apologize for the statement. I believe it with, all, with every fiber of my being. I believe that the Bible, <clears throat> and I can take your New World Translation and I can open it up and I can show you that. One of the most beautiful things in the world is when you open somebody else's 
and say, wait a minute, but doesn't it say right here that there is no other God? So when you say that Jesus is a God but not the God, you have a problem because Jehovah said there is no other God. When you say that Jesus is the Savior but not God, we have a problem because Jehovah said He's the Savior. And so, my friends, I'm a true Jehovah's Witness because I'm worshiping the right one. Now, I want you to notice something else in this. Striking the idea, that this satanic idea that Jesus is not God, completely remove it from the mind. Let's move on to the accomplished purging. Going back over here again into the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. And the latter half of verse 3 says, When He had by Himself purged our sins. This word for purging. The word used here is the word that is the equivalent for purifying. It is the Greek word katharizin, and it basically is the exact same word. If you were to read, um, I guess my Greek font isn't on this computer. (laughs) My apologies. Uh, If you were to read uh, the uh, Septuagint, the same word that is used in the Old Testament uh, to make reference to the purifying that the priests went through, uh, the purifying things that would take place for the priests and the Levites to be able to approach, to be able to make sacrifice. It's the same word. So when writing this, this author was writing to the Hebrews, when he was writing to the Hebrew uh, believers, they would have understood very quickly what he was saying when he says made purification or purged. Can, can, I say it, can I say it this way? That's purgatory. Oh, man, I just made a bunch of Baptist skin crawl, didn't I? You can't use the word purgatory. We don't believe in purgatory. <laughs> can I say it this way? No believer will ever experience a purgatory because Jesus purged it for you. The idea that we have to go pay for our sins to spend a certain amount of time purging it out of our system before we get to go to heaven is a, is a slap in the face of Jesus Christ. It's not what Jesus did and then what you're going to do during those many years in purgatory. No, my friend, Jesus did it all. He purged your sins. No believer will ever experience it because Jesus did that for us. The word here used, as I said, is from the uh, is tantamount to what the priests and the Levites would have done. We will undoubtedly get more into the priesthood of Jesus Christ as we go through chapters 4 through 8. But for now, look at the statement that is being made. By Himself purged our sins. The introduction introduces Jesus Christ as superior. The book of Hebrews shows Christ as superior. 
jump ahead just for a minute. Let's hear spoiler alert. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Go over here to Hebrews chapter number 10. <clears throat> and by the time we get to this, it'll be 14 years from now anyway, so I'll give you a preview of coming attractions. Hebrews chapter number 10, look at verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering uh, oftentimes the same sacrifices, notice this, which can never take away sin. We'll get into that a whole lot deeper when we get to that chapter. But can I just let you know right now, the Old Testament sacrifices did not take away sin. It was a foreshadowing of the one who would. Notice that. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from, for, uh, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Do you catch that? Verse 12 had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. I, I, I may sound like a broken record here, but it is of paramount importance that we get it through our minds before we go any further in the book of Hebrews who Jesus is. The rest of this book won't make much sense. I'm just being honest with you. If Jesus is not God, there's a lot in this book that is just kind of, well, that's pointless. But He is. <clears throat> there's no change of subject as you make your way through here. There's no change of subject being taken place. It's all talking about Jesus. He's the one who created the world. He's the one who's the brightness of His glory. He's the one who is the express image of His person. He's the one who upholds all things by His, by his power. He upholds it by His power. He's the one who purges. But then I want you to notice the absolute conclusion here. Look at this with me. Verse number 3. I love this. You ready for this? Buckle up, because this is going to be an exciting ride. He says, When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down. Sat down. You know what he basically did? <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> that's, that's what Jesus did. He's like, yeah, bam. That's right. I did it. Kind of reminiscent of a little word used on the cross. To tell us, die. Paid in full. I want you to see another example of this. <clears throat> and it's going to hopefully help explain just a couple things. You know, go back to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter 2. And here's, here's a beautiful example of the exact same thing that's taking place here. I'll give you a couple minutes to find Genesis. Genesis chapter number 2. Notice what it says in verse number 1 here. <clears throat> Thus the heavens and the earth 
were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Did God rest because he was tired? No. He rests because he was done. Finished. We, we teach this a lot of times. Well, you've got day one, God made this, and then day two, and then you get to day six, and he made us people, and then he was tired and took a nap on day seven. I'm sorry, that may be your God. That ain't my God. My God doesn't need to sleep. He sat down because he was done. Don't you love that? I don't know about you, <clears throat> I drive my wife nuts because I, I have to be doing something pretty much all the time. And I'll, be, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll... I'll yeah, yeah, I saw you looking at him. Watching MacGyver over here, he's always making something. You know what it's... You go through your day and you sit down and you're like, finally I can sit down and you're like, oh, you know what, I forgot to do this. And so you get up and you go and you get... And then you come back and you sit back down and you're like... Oh, you know what? I need to get this taken care of. And so you pull up your laptop and you start getting your... It's always something to do. I, you know, as a pastor, my, my job is never done. I can never... I never fully get the sense of being finished. I miss working... I miss building houses and doing construction. Sometimes I, you know, the two most dangerous words you're ever going to hear uh, uh, your wife say when you walk home, she goes, Been thinking... Oh, Lord, here we go. <laughs> Been thinking. <laughs> what do you want me to make now? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so the other day she had been, been thinking and, and she decided that my knees needed to be on the ground reflooring a room. And so, you know, there's something nice about you get there with, when you're doing, you know, work, you're working with your hands and you get it and you get to the place where it's like, there's nothing more I can do. It's done. Finished. And so you go and you sit down. This is what Jesus did. He's not taking a break. And then later he's going to finish the work. He sat down because it's done. Your sins paid for completely. Your, your purging covered. There's nothing left for God to do. He comes into the whole, into the whole creation process, and the Bible says right there, I, you can take what you want out of it. I'm a literalist, so when it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, I'm, I take it to mean finished. I don't take it, to, well, there's a verse, there's a couple words that maybe, not stop. If God's word said it was finished, it's finished. I don't know what else we got to look for. Well, maybe it's not exactly finished. Oh, please. On the seventh day, God ended His work. Ended it. Yeah, but what about... I, ask Him. When we get to heaven, you can just have a good old time asking God those questions because my Bible says, finished. So guess what? I'm going to take that with the creation... Let's go back to Hebrews. 
says in verse number 3 at the very end of it, when he had by himself purged, past tense, done, finished, the job has been completed, purged our sins, he sat down. He did it. You can't add to it. You can't. The finality with which Jesus handles the task of purging (laughs) is beautiful in this. It says that he sat down (laughs) because it's done. Well, yes, Jesus died to save me, but I've got to keep me, right? (laughs) But, but... (laughs) Well, he saved me, but unless I do this, this, and this, and this, I won't stay that way. No, wait a minute. Why is he sitting down if there's still work yet to do? He died to save your soul. He lives to keep it for you. Notice something here. Why is it so important... Going back to my original question. Why is it so important that we understand Jesus as God? My original question was simply this. Does someone need to accept Jesus as God in order to be saved? I'll let you answer that yourself based on the following. Go with me to John chapter 8. And we'll begin to make our conclusion. You may agree with me, you may disagree with me. But I'm going to do the best that I can not to give you my words. I'll just give you what the Bible says and you can argue with that. Let's see, why is it so important that we understand that Jesus is God? Because if we don't, everything starts to fall apart. Notice what it says in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Look at verse... um, Drop down to verse 12. Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall live in the light of life. Drop down to verse number 19. Then said they unto him... Uh, where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye, sh- ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus, Boy, that sounded hillbilly, didn't it? Then said Jesus, Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am, uh, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, That ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Can you just take, take just a moment and notice something? A lot of words are in italics. They weren't there. They were put there as in the, because in the Greek, 
it wasn't there, but they are placed there to help you understand what the readability. So this is actually how that verse can be read. He says, For if ye believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. <clears throat> Let's keep going. I'll just let that one fester for a little bit. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you, I, that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Now drop down to verse number 52, would you please? And notice how Jesus starts to <laughs> kind of put a few things to rest. He says, Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets now sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing it is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he sought and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Go back, please. I wanted to give you all that context so that you could notice verse 24 a little more clearly. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. You tell me if it's important for us to understand that Jesus is God. We can go into how all of the earlier uh, writings, how all the, uh, the apostles, how they all recognized Jesus as God. We can go into that. John himself says, these things have I written unto you that you may know. He, his whole purpose for writing his first epistle and the gospel of John is so that you can know who Jesus is. I think they thought it was important for us to realize Jesus is God. I think we should find it important as well. Only God can be superior to all. Only God can be deserving of the credit that the writer of Hebrews gives here. If the writer of Hebrews was wrong, the whole thing falls apart. 
All of it, not just Hebrews. So, so now what? Now what? If Jesus is just another man or an angel, the question, I guess, could be posed this way. Who is responsible for your purification? Who is responsible to purge your sins? If Jesus is not God, then apparently a man is responsible to purify you of your sins. I'm here to let you know right now, (laughs) I don't want another man paying for my sins. Because it doesn't work. Well, maybe he was like an angel. You know, some people teach that he was an angel. Him and Satan, they're brothers. No, doesn't work that way. Who is responsible for your purification? Just another man, an angel? Or is God responsible? Are you responsible for it? It's time for us to be honest with ourselves, folks. There's a lot of people wrapped in rags of religion trying to live so that they can attain or trying to live so that they can keep. Can I, with all the love that I can muster, let you know you can't? If it was left up to you to earn your salvation, you'd never gain it. And if it was left up to you to keep your salvation, you'd never keep it. So I'm going to go, well, that's kind of harsh. No, it's just honest. It's just honest. And I'm so thankful that He did it all. Because I know I'd have messed it up royally. Quickly, just a couple questions. A few closing questions and then we'll be done. Number one, have you, like Thomas, looked to Jesus my Lord and my God. Have you? Have you acknowledged Jesus as not just your Savior? Now, understand something. Before we, our Sunday school answer is to go, yes, I have trusted Jesus as my Savior. Have you acknowledged Him as Lord, Master, the Boss? Listen, if Jesus is God, if He is our Lord, then why do we not treat Him that way? Many people, well, Jesus will understand, or, well, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that, and then, well, Jesus will forgive me. I cling to 1 John 1, 9, preacher. It's the only verse we know, that and Jesus wept. My friends, I wonder, have you... Have you recognized Jesus as God? Don't mistake in this. We don't make Him Lord. He is Lord. 
Many people, we, we go through a, 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 an issue. Well, I'm, I'm working to make Him more Lord of my life. Not under, he is Lord. We just need to recognize it and surrender to that. We just need to submit to it. So let me ask you this one. Is there anything preventing you from following Him completely? Only you can answer that. And here's how you can... Now, you know that one thing that you thought just now that just popped into your mind? Well, I know he's not talking about this. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I follow Jesus with everything. I just got this one area over here that I'm really struggling with. But God understands that's the one that's keeping you from following him completely. But, but God understands. I didn't say he didn't understand. That's the thing you need to deal with. Today. And last, you know, we're, <laughs> we get a lot of conversation today, a lot of talk today about end times. So, can I just simply ask if Jesus were to return today, would he find you looking to him as Lord? Or would he find you trying to hurry and scramble? <laughs> I remember what it was like as a kid, and we go through it at our house too. <laughs> One of the deacons is pulling in the front yard. Quick, clean everything up. <laughs> yeah. Do those dishes. Vacuum that. You know. Quick, hurry. Is that the way we're anticipating his return? Let's get it right. Let's get it right. And no longer trust in my own strength and my own ability, but turning to Him. If God were returned to, to return today, would He find you just simply His? He is sufficient. His sacrifice was enough. Don't add to it. Don't belittle it. He is God. And I'm thankful that He is. Our Father, we bow before You, Father, humbly recognizing You as Lord. Father, we can do nothing apart from You. We try and we fail. But I'm so thankful, Father, that Your beloved Son purged every bit of our sin. I'm so thankful, Father, that Your Son stepped into eternity and took upon Himself human form, made in the likeness of men, and died to set me free. Father, let us live in that freedom. Compelled, Father, be, uh, because of what He has done for us, compelled, Lord, to live lives completely wholly given to Him, holding nothing back. Father, we do not work so that we can attain, but because of what has been done. 
We'll praise You, Father, for that. Because You and You alone are worthy of all honor and all praise. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen.